Welcome to the power of makeup. In this week's episode, your host Lan talks to world-renowned hairdresser Errol Douglas, MBE. Hi, Errol, and thanks for joining me on my very first podcast. Um, you know, you're an MBE, British hairdresser. Um, so much you got so many accolades and um the reason why i brought you on here is because not only do you stand out in this industry and been nominated like 24 years consecutively for british hairdress of the year and you need to win it um um you're amazing yes, you know you're you're a mentor you do so much for the community um you do a lot for british hairdressing and you are so unique so i just want to um just to dive into, you know, growing up and your relationship in with hair. Um, if you can just, um, just give me like your memories of first that moment that you went, I'm going to do hair. Um, I think in this profession and in this life, um, careers choose you. Um, hairdressing was always my vocation. It was always something I absolutely honed in on. And it was something I took to like um, duck to water. So you know, from the very young age, like four, five, I knew it was hair. Um, my mum uh, was amazing because she was always encouraging me to do stuff. Uh, she was a, work, a nurse, but um, she was a qualified seamstress as well. So she was always making dresses. And, um, not for me, I may add. Uh, she, was always <laughs> making, she was always making dresses and very creative. And she encouraged that because I'm one of five and I've got um, four brothers and they're all academics. So when I came out of the rank saying I wanted to become a hairdresser, uh, my mum and dad said, oh, that's different. And um, they just literally, um, yeah, they kind of gave me the best kind of direction. And um, the rest is history in regards to that. I've just kind of uh, not climbed my way. I've kind of progressively, you know, steps, 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 because I was born in East London. And anybody who knows East London, it's a very hard um, kind mm. of judgmental area. If you said you wanted to become a hairdresser, you would have been victimised and beaten to a pulp. Yeah. So, so I kept that very quiet um, growing up in East London. Okay, so did you... Um, that's interesting that you said that, that you're victimised. Do you... Um, do you think it made you work harder? I mean, how did you actually get past all of that? Because obviously being a oh, boy doing hairdressing... Yeah. Uh, and being the yeah. odd one out, well, essentially, you know, how did you combat all that, like mentally, and who helped you? Well, I was fortunate enough to um, one of my best friends. Um, uh, they had a house in Chelsea, so from sixteen, I moved out to my mum's horror, and my dad and everybody else, because they said, "How can you afford to um, live, you know, live from home?" But again, my friend was fortunate. Um, he was the only child. He had, he had literally about four rooms to himself. And he said, come and, you know, you can live with me. So that literally changed my life. So just imagine a 16-year-old boy. I got an pr apprenticeship in London and I'm living in Chelsea. Come wow. on. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of like a privilege really, isn't it? I have to say. It was. It's not like stepping yeah, into but... any salon. You're stepping into Chelsea from yeah, East London. Exactly. exactly. 
But all I can say in East London, you know, you would never say things like that because of the uh, male mm. testosterone. There was so much kind of angst of, um, you know, and I would say growing up in uh, the East End, you know, everybody was kind of anti-black, anti-gay, anti-everything. Mm. So I just had to get out and I did. So I was fortunate enough um, to kind of uh, be in um, uh, Chelsea and serve my apprenticeship in Knightsbridge. Mm. So I was really lucky, really lucky. That's really interesting. So you had the people that sort of ridiculed you in East London, but then in Chelsea, how did people take to you? Because, you know, being dark skin, was there many yeah. people like you around in hairdressing at that oh, time? No, I love men. And men, you know, like, I mean, complete <laughs> I was opposite very, worlds. Wait, I was, I was, I was very uh, different, man. Yeah. And they, I, I, I've never had a real East End cab driver accent to say there's nothing wrong with that. I've always kind of had, I would say, not a bad accent. So mm. I kind of be by. And how my mum um, and dad brought me up, they were mm. kind of, you know, they're quite diplomatic type people. So, you know, my mum and dad always um, brought me up to say, you should be able to stand your own in any conversation, any room. Um, yeah. the, the school I went to, I went to a grammar school. So... It was all about okay. uh, conversations, politics. So you had to you had to stand up, and it is quite interesting now. The majority of people, you know, you only public speak when you have to. Mm. So just imagine hairdressing, doing shows, doing TV. You're you're kind of speaking up, and you're on the go as well. And I'm an ambassador for my brand, and I'm an ambassador for quite a few people. So obviously that's a helping hand. But I think when I was first coming up, because you know uh, the person I was living with, he was. Um, you know, his family, oh my God, they were, such, they were all actors and theatre and stuff like that. So they were always testing things out on me. So it was a natural, it was a natural. But okay. um, I think in any walk of life, you know, you don't stand out, you blend in. So, you know, I'm not going to make my life difficult. I'm just going to fit in. So, you know, I believe in a little bit of conformity. And mm. I, obviously I, I am different, but... At that point, I was just trying to fit in, and then I obviously accelerated. That's but, so interesting. Um, no. <laughs> That's so interesting you said that because um, I've had to feel like, well, I still do actually. I feel like yeah. I'm so unique in my upbringing and everything and my yeah. opportunities that I tend to just dress to fit each occasion or I maybe have my makeup in a certain way for that occasion. Maybe, you know, I'm more relaxed in my friend environment but when I'm working I completely change and if I'm on camera I'm completely different and I noticed that with you you always wear suits and I just wanted to know do you think this is like I, from your dress up you always dress up you I, never look out of place and whenever you're casual it's still dressed up you know you've always got you know how they say someone's always got a tie on like yes you know yeah. and my husband, for example, he, wear, he wears trainers and people are like, well, you know, you're a dad now. You need to wear a pair of shoes. And he's like, well, my feet are so sensitive. I'm never going to wear shoes unless it's a wedding, you know. But you do always dress. And I just want to know, do you think your surrounding environment, being image conscious and being around people that are always going to notice you, do you feel like yeah. as being odd one out, you have to, like you said, you have to blend in? Like, do you think all of this is all part of yeah. the whole image of Errol Douglas? Yeah. We'll, we'll put it this way, Lam. I mm. think it's my uniform as well. It's my pr protective armour, if you call it that. 
because I was always brought up to show um, people respect and give them dinner, uh, um, dignity, same as me, that what I would expect. So I, I, I approach life like that, you know. So if I've got a client or if I'm on stage, you know, presentation is everything because um, I want to be believed. And um, it's the same thing, you know. Just imagine me going to the doctors and they rocked up in a T-shirt and, you know, you, you're mm. kind of... I know it's superficial, but it shouldn't be. But it's all about, you know, um, I'm doing this because I want to. I want to be presentable yeah. to you. And vice versa, if I was standing on the stage, or I, you know, keep harping on about it because it's true, because I do so many international shows and stuff, and you have to stand there, and you have to kind of c command a little bit of respect and integrity. So it's important to me, but at the same time, you know, I don't feel out of place, um, you know, and again, it's to do with my upbringing. I'd rather feel overdressed than underdressed. Yeah, uh, if you're underdressed, point. you can't do anything about it. If you're overdressed, you can unbutton a, you know, take a, you can take a little bit of your clothes off, so to speak. Yeah. But um, if you are underdressed, you can't just leave um, the set and go and run and buy some clothes, can you? No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I, um, you know, so that, that's, like a good point because I don't think a lot of people talk about that you know they say dress to impress but actually you you are literally walking with that title and it's not a, a negative thing it's just something no, that makes you feel no. more empowered right um mm. so you know there's a lot of things out there about you in terms of what you do for everyone education um with yeah. the whole pandemic and you know the black lives matters and now there's the thing like Asian, stop Asian hate, and there's a lot of things going on culturally. Um, yeah. How are you feeling? Do you feel like you're even more segregated now? I mean, what are you doing to, uh, to sort of, because you have a voice, you know, what are you doing to yeah. I think that's, help? That, that's a great question. Um, for me, I would never go on the size. I would like to say I'm, I'm right down the middle, okay? I understand racism. I've had racism. I understand people not understanding people, but that's just, a, you know, lack of understanding and ignorance. It's, it's, and it's a little bit of upbringing as well, because, you know, you can feed hate and poison and negative stuff to your children because they're in that environment. But if your child is strong, uh, strong enough to get out of it, and it's like they're climbing out of the cesspit, that's good. But mm. just remember, that as a young person and people, you're, you influence a lot of people. So I've had this thing, and I, I always say it, it's like, I always try to treat people with, you know, I'm always honest with them, you know, and I think that's a, that's the main thing. I try to understand and listen. Uh, if you notice our culture, we don't listen. Mm. We just judge and make snap decisions, and we're very verbal with our voices and our, our, our tongues, and our tongues can cause so much damage. So that's why a lot of people <laughs> should kind of think before they speak because it's everlasting and you can't take it back. There's no point in saying sorry, because the majority of people don't understand what sorry means, because they keep saying it all the time. If you were sorry, you would never do it in the first place. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's quite pungent, but it's true. But from my point of view, I, I feel like, you know, this is the way how, how I bring my children up. Um, uh, my ex-wife is Irish. Our, 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 our children are kind of cultural, they're mixed. You know, whatever you want to say, but they're cultural, uh, they're millennial children. Mm. And 
you were part of that shoot. That was my idea of the shoot we did for Britannia. Uh, so they're millennials. So that's how I see life. I don't see it as them and us. I've never had that bone in my body. And it is quite interesting when people say, I'm not brave, Joe, I'm not this. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. This is 2021. If we can't live together now, mm-hmm. we will never live together. You know, there's in, you know, there's integration all over the world. You know, why would England uh, conquer the world? Why are we part of the British Empire? Why? It's, it, it just makes it makes my blood boil mm. that we're talking about this in this day and age. Yeah. Women have to fight for equality in this day. <sighs> Come on, it's a mockery. It is so. It's it's the most redundant argument and conversation of mm. my life because you know I'm 57 and this is what we're still talking about it. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. I don't I don't get it because I'm not part of it, man, and I'm not part of that. Oh, I've got a chip on my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. I'm not part. Of, uh, right, somebody's yeah. held my life back because they haven't. You know, I'm in charge of me and I'm in charge of my life. You know, That's don't right, give me yeah. that kind of sob story. Yeah, and that's what I love about you. You carried that across your branding, and I'm not being funny, but you are an ambassador for so many brands, and it's amazing to see that you've sustained that long career. So, you know, for anyone listening, you know, um, you know, what is that one thing do you think that you carry that really allows you to hold yourself everywhere and ha- sustain that entrepreneurship? You know, um, what should people really um, focus on? Because you've seen so many changes now. What's the, is there anything that you really believe that they need to know in order to succeed and do what you do? Uh, true to the people I work with and work for. And, um, you know, I'd love to think that I am. I'm kind of all-inclusive in every um, respect of the way. Um, you know, I will push um, a woman in my company. I would push a man in my company, gay straight, transsexual, whatever you want to say, mm. I will push all, everybody. And I think that makes you kind of unique. And when somebody says, you know, I'm an international, I'm, I'm a global person, you know, I, I see myself as a global, I'm a global person, part of the human race. I'm not like a black person. I'm not a brown person. I'm a whatever. I'm a global person. And I think that makes kind of um, a lot of sense. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a current ambassador for Dyson. They love that about me. I've just um, uh, secured a great contract with uh, Living Proof. They love mm-hmm. that about me. And on, mon- on Monday, I'm just announcing I'm going to be um, a blood and transplant what? <laughs> ambassador of the NHS. Wow. Uh, which would be on, because we don't give enough blood in... Uh, Bain um, community or any, you know, um, Caucasian, there's not enough blood. There's people dying left, right and centre because we don't have enough blood in the banks. And uh, that goes for transplants as well. You know, you you should offer, you shouldn't, your organs shouldn't be taken. You should offer, you know, obviously if it's religious um, beliefs or backgrounds, it's a different thing. But um, you've got one of the, you know, one of the biggest institutions, especially in this country, the NHS, and we don't, we just, you know, we're not helping, put it that way. I gave blood for the first time the other day, and um, I felt amazing, absolutely amazing. 
And uh, <laughs> I'm going to do it again and again and again because I can't be an ambassador and not do it. So, you know, I can do it. Obviously, you can go through tests. Some people can, some people can't. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I can. And it only takes 15 weeks for your blood to replenish. So I'm going to be back there in another um, 15 weeks. So I feel great. And it's, it's a great thing. It's, just imagine your blood, you know, I'm not saying it's contaminated, but to give blood, you're just kind of replenishing and rejuvenating yourself. You know, because that blood is just circulating in your body. And just imagine, my blood say, will save three people's lives. And that's, you know, that's, 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 that's amazing. And I, 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 I love charity work, but that's yeah. not charity. I just feel that it's something I need to do. And um, it's something that I'm really looking forward to doing on a regular basis. And I don't mind talking about it. Yeah, uh, and don't get started off on vaccination. Oh, no, no, crazy. no. This is not that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We want to know about you. Yeah. Um, no more lockdown, please. Oh, no. yes. Um, um, you know, that's what I love about you. You're always giving your time and you juggle so much in charity work and you're helping all the, the young ones come up and you have been so supportive and mentoring so many people. But just your view on in terms of collaboration... Um, you know, what's the most powerful thing that happens, like, in collaboration? You know, what should people be looking for? I think the, the greatest thing with a collaboration is understanding what you're getting into and, you know, what it would, you know, you can ignite a lot from it because I'm not scared to collaborate with a hairdresser, makeup artist, any, you know, anybody like that because I know it's going to enhance me. I don't mind, you know, putting that person forward in the front and I'll be at the side or just be a voice. I don't mind that. I think the greatest thing is you have to try. And with uh, collaborations, I think it opens you up as a professional as well because you can't, you know, it's about teaching as well. So if you collaborate, you'll open yourself up and you're, you're giving your secrets away. And I think that's great. But at the same time, if you're collaborating on a shoot or a show, just imagine when you've done it and walked away, and you know it's a different take. It's not what you do. It's not what Errol does. It's what somebody else does with a, um, you know, with that kind of mixture, you know, mm. which I think is great. So collaborations for me in every walk of my life, I think is really important because it stops you from being mundane. <laughs> it yeah. stops you from being stale. It stops you from being um, predictable. And it stops you from being, you know, my work and your work, I'm not going to, it's from trends. We start trends, okay? So I see myself as a trend. I'm always looking for the next trend. So if, if I can collaborate with the right people, if I can get that mess message across, I'm halfway there. You know, what I do not like doing, and I think you've seen it in my work, I hate duplicating anything. It has to be so different from the last project. And I think that is um, in a nutshell because so many people feel uneasy about um, uh, collaborating. They're like, <laughs> you know, they want everything for themselves. And you, and you know what it's like bringing up a child. You have to yeah. say to a child, stop being selfish. Yeah. You know, that person, give your toys away. I give my toys away all the time. That's a great analogy, actually. Yes. I give my toys away all the time. It's that whole thing, so sharing is caring, you know? 
Sharon is caring and Al Douglas is giving all his toys away. <laughs> I mean, I've got no toys. Oh, that's so fun. Um, yeah, so really, you know, that's you know, that's what I wanted to just really dig into your brain about that and, you know, balance entrepreneurship and um, you know, your influence. So just to leave the audience with, you know, is there what's is there anything that you regret or could change? Or tell your younger self? Uh, the the my younger self, I would say, if we ever go in a pandemic, there is absolutely no way I'll be in this country. I'll be far away, I'll be abroad somewhere. And I would generally, you know, if I could take my family, I would take my family, but I would kind of dis dislocate myself because I'm a Londoner, I'm in central London, so I'm in a concrete um, jungle. You know, if, if I could be away in the wilderness by water or a beach or, you know, anywhere which is sustainable, I would, I would do that. That's what I would tell my younger self. But to go back to reality and talk as a businessman, all I would have done, um, you know, cause the company is 23 years old this year. Um, I would have just um, brought a product out. You know, I would have just bought shampoos and um, mm. uh, conditioners out straight away because the brand is built. You know, the Errol Douglas brand is built. So yeah. I could have had the brand and the products. So, you know, and it's, it's still coming. It's obviously. I was about to say, not, can you do that now? Yeah. Is this something yeah, yeah, that we yeah, can look forward to it's seeing? On the way. Okay. It's in the pipeline. Okay. So <laughs> we will leave it at that, that we are going to expect a, the ultimate Errol Douglas brand. Yeah? Absolutely. 100%. Oh, I can't wait. And I'll be there to support you all the way. So, um, yeah. Oh, you'll be leading the campaigns. Oh, yes. I'll be working with you. That's right. Because you love me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Errol, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your time. Um, we got so much. I'm thank so inspired you. by that because it's stories you've said that I haven't heard before anyway. So that's all I wanted to hear. So thank you so much for um, jumping welcome. on. And um, I shall see you soon on your next campaign, yeah. yes? Yes, most definitely. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much, Errol. It's lovely speaking to you. Good luck.